0: grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There's already all, There's always so many backstories going on in the life of a congregation, especially a congregation with the size and the scope of, of St. John's Orange. There's always backstories, and I'm reminded of the, the backstories represented here, here this morning, and there's a couple I'd like to share. One is that our, our young guy Micah here has applied to the CMC program at Concordia and had a sterling interview this week. And we think Micah Rabel, ministry associate, would do a good job being Michael Rabel, associate pastor. And uh, we're going to... And so when he gets up there and begins to speak, there's something that goes into my heart that just reminds me, man, that's pretty cool. God continues to to work and move in his church among his people and lift people up for service and ministry. When Mr. Neba and Nobby got up and read the scriptures this morning, I'm reminded uh, a month ago, Nobby was in the courtyard and a gentleman who was in town for a funeral with his girlfriend from San Diego, he... he, uh, He met Nobby in the courtyard and he said, you have to be Mr. Neben. And of course, Nobby said, yes, I am Mr. (laughs) Neibin. And what a lovely exchange that was. The gentleman had been far away from church, he'd been far away from from God, He'd, he'd wandered into town, he just came to St. John's on an off morning when he had some time because he grew up and went to school here in the 60s. Which, of course, is ancient history. But Nabi provided him a linkage in, into community. What a marvelous gift, that is. I'm reminded of how many of us last night were at Orange Lutheran at the at the gala hanging out and having a good time. And and the St. John's people always bring something fun to community. I'm not sure what it is and, and what we're all about, but our tables are a little louder and and we have a good time. We smile easy and, and we just we add to the we we add to the night. We bring a a, a cultural thing and they'll say, are you gonna bring a table to the Lutheran High to the Crean, to the Concordia. Well, are, you're going to come, aren't you? And in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, well, it's never any fun if I'm not there, so I guess I'll have to show up and have a good time. But all of those backstories and your backstories represented here this morning are all a part of the community of faith. What a marvelous thing to be able to hold in common a life And a faith in Jesus and a value system that has seen its way through 5,000 plus years. Never shown to be wanting, only shown to be difficult at times. Especially reflecting on the words of the previous hymn. It's a marvelous time to redo community. It's a a marvelous time to gather together and think about how we re-engage in community. And we're finding our way back to so many things. Working our back into bigger groups and bigger events. Working our our way back from so much life isolated to life face to face. My wife had asked me to go through the mileage uh, for our income tax preparation. And I went through that a little bit yesterday and I just took my iPhone and swiped day by day by day by day and things were pretty quiet here up through about Easter last year. And then it got to be relatively the way it used to be. But it's a, it's a unique time in the history of, of our world. It, it, it's a unique time to, to recalibrate our lives, to reset our hearts, to redo the rhythms of life, and to figure out how to reframe our thoughts and words and behaviors, kind of getting a, a reset on life in the best possible sense. That some of the things that we brought into the here and now will sit in the history of our lives. And there's new horizons, new challenges, new things before us. So this morning we're going to begin a new sermon series on trust. What does it mean to trust God? What does it mean that our lives are in His hands? This morning we're going to work from the scripture text from John 14 verse 1. As Jesus was on his way to the cross at the last third of of John's gospel, he, he wants his disciples to come together. He wants to love on them and care for them and encourage them. And so he begins that passage by saying these simple words, trust in God, trust also in me. Trust in God, trust also in me. Trust is a little different thing than believe in or Have faith in. Trust is is that piece of surrendering what we are and what we do to the Lord Jesus first. It's how we learn to put Him first and best in all the things of our lives. And over the next week, not only do we want to talk about that, but I want to give you very relevant, real ways to think about how to trust in the Lord. When I was a kid and I was not a superior math student, I only really learned to be a good math guy when I started doing budgets at St. John's. And you had to be able to figure out percentages and remainders and all that stuff fairly quickly. Otherwise, your budget got smoked and drained fairly quickly. I'm very grateful to Pastor Esch for teaching me how to do that. Now, I'm the old guy and I will look at the young people and go, you know, you lost 6% on your budget for next year. How'd that work? I go, well, you divide by this and you multiply by. This. How'd you know that? This <laughs> is what it is. But every fifth grader knows how to do long division. And some numbers work out great and it all kind of works out even. If you take 144 and divide it by 12, you end up with. Wow. Not bad. That's pretty good. <laughs> Those are the people who went to St. John's School. Good job. 144 divided by 12 is 12. There's no remainder. There's nothing left over. You just do it and you divide. It's great. For me, I love those kind of numbers. I like it when it all works out in the bottom is zero. But what is 144 divided by 10? 14 with the remainder of... I hate the remainder thing. I struggle with the remainder thing. I, I, I like it better when it's all figured out on top. But 144 divided by 10 equals 14 with the remainder of 4. Now here's where I'm going with this. It's easy for us to trust God for the 14. I'm sorry. It's easy to trust God with the remainder and to do the 14 ourselves. It's easy for us to live our lives and take the core of our lives and say, the circumstances and behaviors and the things of my life, I've got all figured out except for the remainder. And Jesus, I trust you for the remainder. I've got everything figured out and everything's fine and everything's cruising along and you can have the four that's left over. I will trust you for the remainder. I'll trust you for the four. I'll trust you when my plan has failed. I'll trust you when I feel out of control. I'll trust you, Lord, when there's nowhere else to turn and I can't figure it out. Rather than saying, Lord, I'll trust you for the whole piece. I'm not sure if part of the original sin in Adam and Eve that's woven through humanity, if if that's just not a part of it, that need to control and be domineering in our own lives. And even worse, that need to control other people and make them bend to our will seems to be something that's bred into humanity. Therefore, trust the antithesis of that becomes a gift of God to us through faith in Jesus Christ. In His book, Ruthless Trust will be leading us kind of in our thoughts and thinking. And if you'd like to read that and go through that week by week, it's a marvelous book The author is Brennan Manning. The title of the book is Ruthless Trust. And while Manning is a Catholic, Catholics did some good things too. And this book is one of them. Manning defines trust in this way. Trust is surrendering of our own wills and our lives to the Lord Jesus without reservation and in boundless confidence in our Father. Surrendering of our wills and our lives to the Lord Jesus without any reservation and in boundless confidence in our Father. In essence, our lives are in God's hands for Jesus' sake. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a list maker. Tomorrow morning after the staff devotion, I'll make a list of all the stuff I got to do and I will dutifully X off the stuff. Some days I'm done earlier, some days I'm done later, but the work has to be done. One of the things I need to start writing at the very top of that list is trust the Lord Jesus. Because all of the tasks seem to have more meaning and more behind them if that piece of trust is there first. Barriers to trust reside deeply in our hearts and souls, in our life experience. There's almost a hardwired need to control. We need to have every answer to every question. We're going to have to have a path that ends up at the solution every time. And when that answer isn't forthcoming or the solution isn't there for us, some have a sense of despair. It's not right. I'm not okay. It's not going to work out. This really stinks. This is really hard. Now what do I do? And other people take the opposite approach. They become very angry. If I'm out of control in my life, it must be somebody else's fault. I'm going to put it on you until I can figure out how to deal with his anger and bring together a sense of control. Control of any life, of course, being somewhat of a myth. And some of those barriers are our own history. Past sins and brokenness affects how we put our lives in God's or anyone's hands. Wounds from previous relationships make it tough to trust other people. And so we kind of hold back a little chip here. We say, well, I'm into this relationship for 90%, but I'm holding back this 10 just in case you can't be trusted, just in case you smoke me, just in case I'm not giving you the whole heart, the whole life, all of me, I got to hold this chip. Because I just can't let go and trust you completely. Maybe we have some trust issues. But then in those issues, what's the pathway to get back to a sense of trust? Where is it that we can have relationships and connections with others that are deep and rich and meaningful? For the vulnerability of trust leads to a depth of understanding of other people as we put our lives in God's hands and as we learn to trust and live with one another as well. The richness and the depth of meaning that comes in following Jesus and trusting Him for some is never perceived or never understood because they hold on so tightly to that sense of control. Jesus said, trust in God, trust also in me. I love that. Trust in God, trust also in me, Jesus said. What has the Lord done for you that you would trust in him? Well, for those disciples, he'd done just about everything. And he was on his way soon to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead. The blind could see, the deaf could hear, the lame could walk. The the prisoners were released from prison. All the, the message of the kingdom, all of those things. Jesus was the man. Jesus was the Messiah. What has the Lord done for you that you would trust in him? Peter, Andrew, James, and John could look at one another and say, everything. He's done everything. And so we'll put our future, our lives in his hands. What has the Lord done for you that you would trust in Him? Well, how about this? This is from Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Jesus' teaching, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many, many sparrows. Not one of them is forgotten by God. What a marvelous way for Jesus to proclaim the gospel. If God isn't going to forget sparrows in the name of Jesus, He's certainly not going to forget you. So rich and deep is the love that Jesus has for you. That He knows how many hairs or lack thereof are on your head. Your days are in His hand. Your life is in His hand. Jesus says, don't be afraid because your value to Him knows no bounds. Nobody loves you more than God. No one in your family. In your family, people love you dearly, but they don't love you as deeply or richly as God does. We don't even love ourselves as much as God loves us. God loves us from the moment that He thought of us. In our mother's womb, the Lord remembered us, knew us, called us by name. As a matter of fact, the nature of God is love. He cannot love, He cannot not love you. You are it. him. You are the first thing he thinks about when he wakes up if he does wake up and the last thing he thinks about before he falls asleep if indeed he ever sleeps. God loves you for Jesus' sake. It is that piece of Jesus' ministry where he sealed his love for us in his blood that takes a focus on Lent. If love is sacrificed for somebody else then Jesus gave his love for us. All the way to death he loves you. He's earned your trust. And how about this? That in His love, He has not resurrected our past, but He's reckoned it. Jesus does not stand before us and say, i got some things that you got to work on, big guy. I can't love you until... You've got to fix all that stuff from your childhood. you got to fix all that stuff from your past. you got to fix all that stuff from last week. That's not where the Lord Jesus is. He has not resurrected our past. Rather, Jesus has reckoned it. Do you have some issues with trust? Do you struggle with the idea of relinquishing control? Through the course of this sermon series, I'm always going to point you to the reality that Jesus does and will continue to reckon your past. He's not going to let your past behaviors define you as if somehow this cold hand from the past can't let go, but it just continues to guide and and lead you into this broken way of living. Nor is the Lord Jesus going to let past victimization and loss define us as well. He loves us too much for that. He's died for us. And in that death and in that sacrifice, He reckons our past and forgives our sins. In His death, He also gives us strength to handle the past, finding healing and forward momentum with a renewed sense of trust in Him. Jesus defines us with His grace and His mercy. He says to us, daughter, son, child, I love you. Look at that cross. I love you. Trust in God, trust also in me, Jesus said. And over the course of this sermon series, my, my hope for you through these words and promises of God is, is three things. One is that, 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 that corrosive fear would be melted away in your soul and give way to a ruthless trust. That any fear that lingers from the pandemic, that any fear from the past, that anything that whispers you in your heart, God cannot be trusted and you are not loved, that that voice would just be extinguished and corrosive fear would give way to ruthless trust. That corrosive thinking would be gone and that your heart would be impervious through the promises of Jesus. And that over those weeks that we would journey in and out of those pieces, leaving you with the reckoning that you have in the cross and the love that the Lord has for you. Secondly, I hope that we learn the, the all-inclusive nature of trust. And <laughs> don't just trust God for the good things, that all the good things work out. It doesn't work that way. At least my life does never work that way. How do we trust God in the painful things, and willingly and trustingly wait and see what good He draws from evil. And I think that's the most difficult part of following Jesus. But I also think that it's that piece of faith that allows us to follow Him more closely when things are painful and dark. He loves us not just in the sunny, beautiful days. He loves us every day, and I hope that over the course we will learn the inclusive nature of trusting in Jesus. And finally, that as life resets, as things kind of get back and, and, and we learn to smile at one another and love one another and be close and not be so suspicious of one another, in that reset of life that we'd have a renewed sense of hope. I pray that we use this unique time and this unique season, a a Lent like no other, really. Two years ago was a Lent like no other as well. But now the doors are open, the masks are off, and things are chugging right along. And I hope that we use this unique time of reset and renewal to meditate and reflect that our hearts might trust in God for all things. And that your life would have not just a sense of busyness and tasks and things to do. But that your life would have a deep, meaningful, resilient sense of richness and meaning. And that you would rely and trust on Jesus. And Him first. And Him best. Amen.